McCrane from the Play A Bigger Game podcast where we bring you tips, tricks, ideas and amazing interviews to help you get your bigger game on. And today we've got an interview with a fantastic Australian. Like It's an, an amazing feat, I think, in such a small country as Australia for somebody to manage to get to one Olympics. But this guy's actually been to four. And so we're going to have a chat with him about, you know, what was the motivation to get to the first one and then what was it that made him play a bigger game and go on to compete in three more and what were the results? Please welcome Dan Collins. How are you, mate? I'm good, Rowdy, and you? Fantastic, buddy. Absolutely fantastic. And what a good story your story is, you know. <laughs> what an intro. I've got some I've got to live up to the intro now. It's huge. I think people underestimate <laughs> just how hard it is to go to one Olympics, let alone go to four, mate. It's pretty amazing. And yeah, I get that you're a down to earth practical guy, but what was it? that drove you to want to go to the Barcelona Olympics in 92? What, what was the motivation going on there? Oh, Rowdy, there's a couple of probably – there's a meeting of a couple of things, you know, like um, I, I grew up in um, in Blacktown in western suburbs of Sydney and um, life wasn't horrible but life was tough for mum and dad to give – uh, opportunity to uh, my sister and I, and they did a, they just did such a good job of doing that. Plenty of love and um, and help and support in our home, but it wasn't, you know, like it was, it was, it was, it was a Blacktown's a difficult joint to grow up in, you know. Um, so I think one thing was I, I learned to be hungry for um, avoiding failure and avoiding uh, things that. Um, can bring you undone. So I had a, a, a probably a natural disposition as a young bloke to want something better. Um, so I, that, I think that was the first thing. And then um, I, I, um, there was a bloke called Grant Davies who was um, a, a wonderful Olympian on the Gold Coast and he went to – and I was involved in surf lifesaving and mum and dad got me involved in surf lifesaving and he went to – Hang on, hang on, hang on. I've just pulled you up. How do you get into surf life-saving in Blacktown, mate? Yeah, great, great call. Mum and Dad had an on-site caravan up on the central coast of um, of New South Wales. And as every, I suppose, you know, they, we, we spent a lot of time on weekends and um, school holidays and Christmas holidays getting out of the western suburbs of Sydney and going spending time in this tiny little caravan Um uh, with m- mum and dad and my sister, and we, you know, we we we, um, we used to track track up there, uh, you know, most weekends. And um, you say you got I got involved in the surf um, because of that. And I remember, you know, we used to drive up there on Friday nights and fight the traffic out of Sydney through Hornsby um, up onto the Central Coast, and then uh, spend the weekend there, you know, Friday, Saturday night, and then come home and. Um, I just got involved and fell in love with surf and surf lifesaving. And um, through that, um, the Avoca Beach Surf Lifesaving Club is a wonderful and proud club and uh, it, had some, it had some great uh, ski paddlers and I got involved in that. And athletically, I've got some gifts and those gifts allowed me to be okay on a, on a, on a racing ski. So um, from there, sort of the, the, the passion for paddling 
and and going fast on that sort of craft group, Rowdy. So it wasn't it wasn't anything that I you know, I never aspired to be an Olympian. I just inspired to I was just determined not to stay in one spot and to want something better. And I think sometimes we get carried away with these grandiose bloody goals and we sometimes it's just good enough to go, well, what can I be better at now? Um, and what can I do really well now? So, uh, and the focus on that, that for me was I wanted something better and um, my my physical attributes allowed me to do that pretty well. Yeah, yeah all right. So uh, so then you met Grant Davies on the uh, on the Gold Coast. I didn't know him, Rowdy, but uh, he was his story is incredible. He got he got. Uh, his his event was the closest event in in kayaking history. It was um, broken down to one one thousandth of a second. So imagine losing um, over a thousand metres uh, in a kayak race. Imagine losing the Olympic gold medal by one one thousandth of a second. You know, like it's it's the it's the the distance of a pencil line on a piece of paper. You know, it's ridiculous. And the way he handled himself after that and they gave him the gold medal and then they reversed it and then they gave it was just it was a bit of a I don't think it was a great moment for um, international canoeing in in there you know how they decided but um, in an interview afterwards I heard him say look if this is the worst thing that happens to me um, geez my life's pretty good I've just competed on the world stage and um, you know, being good enough to give myself an opportunity to win an Olympic gold medal. And I, and I thought, you know what, growing up out in the western suburbs of Sydney, I don't see too many people thinking like that. Um, so as an 18-year-old, I decided that, um, um, you know, chasing an Olympic or chasing that sort of mentality and chasing that sort of dream is something for me. So I started my journey, Rowdy, and I, I, um, I worked my ass off. Um, and I got some really good opportunities uh, along the way, and uh, my breakthrough came um, when I went to an Australian Championships and uh, for, for kayaking in Queensland, and I just made the final. <clears throat> so it was in 1989. I just barely made the Australian um, K1 1,000-metre final. So there's nine people. I ended up coming ninth, so last in the final. But I suppose people saw something in me at that point to go, well, let's let's give him a go, and um, and they and they selected me. And, and the only reason I got selected was there was a couple a couple of Olympians from the '88 Olympics that were having a year off. They didn't want a tour. Um, well, that was a mistake of theirs because uh, a couple of young blokes. Um, got into that team and got a chance to tour and never relinquished their spots. So, and I was one of those. So, um, it was a, it, I just took my opportunity when it came, Rowdy. And it's funny how hard work, and that, if, if there's a message in that, is, is, you know, like, you, there's a, you want you you would want something better for yourself all the time, and there's nothing wrong with that. I actually think that's a real um, noble disposition to want to want something better and to be working for a better a better life, a better self, a better environment for yourself and for your family. And, uh, and, and the second part of that is, is, is that I worked really hard for that. Um, and they, they're the two key things. I didn't really have this grandiose thing as I wanted to go to the Olympics and win Olympic gold medals and stuff like that. It didn't, didn't start like that. It just started like, hey, let's, I, I, I've got something here I can be good at. 
take that with both hands and see where it goes. So We're going to talk more about this, but I love what you just said, and I think the people listening will relate to it. It's just take something that you're good at and find a way to be better at it yeah. and continue that journey you'll be amazed where you can end up like you did you ended up in barcelona and and mate i've heard your awesome keynote like i love listening to you talk from the stage but i also know that barcelona wasn't one of your proudest moments can you share that story yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> laugh, i laugh at it now but bloody hell at the time it was a shocker so oh look we we, we had um we got ourselves in a bit of a pickle, we our coach um, for, for for only political reasons wasn't selected, and this was the man that um, dragged us from pretty ordinary and gave us all the skills and attributes, and 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 gave to myself and Andrew Trim. Uh, Trimmy was my doubles partner, so we paddle over 500 or a thousand metres uh, in a kayak, a, a men's kayak um, pair, and um, we. You know, the guy that took us three years and guided us through and, and helped us improve as people and as, as, as paddlers, they didn't select him. Um, and, I, and I suppose at this point we we lost our way. So that was Mar- in, and that was in March in 1992 and the Olympic Games was in August. And in March 1992 we were, we were well on track to be in position to win. Uh, two Olympic medals, in my view. So we, we, we were really well positioned, um, and uh, we, we lost our way. And the Olympic preparation is no place for um, two blokes who are thinking like victims, um, thinking they didn't have choice. Um, and we ended up uh, cracking under pressure. Um, and the Olympic, the Olympic Village riders is it's, it's got plenty of. Um, Distractions, and I didn't realise, Rowdy, when you get to the Olympic Village, everything's for free inside, right? So, well, I get to the Olympic Village, and um, uh, and we were barely hanging on to any resemblance of form at this point because uh, we just we just weren't in the right headspace. And I, I I describe the Olympic Games like a boa constrictor; it starts really loose four years out, and just slowly tightens on you tightens on you unless you've got your own unless you've got like some deep personal character then you don't hold your framework when the pressure comes on and it just squeezes the life out of you and and the olympic village did that but for me it was i got distracted there was it was the year of the magnum ice cream for me (laughs) prior to the olympics i hadn't experienced the wonderful magnums and um i got inside the village and for those of who are listening you know when you walk into your service station and there's those perspex tops um freezers where you can see the you know the ice creams in size and i I, as you know i love my food rowdy um i I, uh i got inside the village and you had the uh, these um bloody magnum ice cream machines every 200 meters full of magnums and if when what do you do when it's you finish training it's 8 30 in the morning and you're on your way back to your room and there's a there's a free magnum sitting there and it's 32 degrees already in barcelona well you have one for breakfast don't you rowdy so <laughs> you do yeah, the, yeah, look, we, we lost our way and, and the, the, the pressure got the better of us. And I, I think it was my – it was the fork in the road moment for me that 
shaped my next 10 years as an adult and as a, uh, I suppose, um, a performer on that stage. Um, and we got our butts kicked well and truly. Uh, we didn't make either final, um, and yet we were fourth in the Olympic Games, at the World Championships in both the year before. We had amazing results in March, and by August we were a shell of ourselves. So, um, you know, we, 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 missed, we missed our coach, but, you know, there's plenty of things that happen in life where you can now choose your response. So what happens next is what counts most, and we, we were found out. And I remember coming home and thinking, it's probably not for me. This, this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready for. I'm not good enough for that. Um, but then, about two weeks later, I started to realise that I, I wrote down everything that went wrong, Rowdy, and I had about eight pages of stuff. <laughs> That's a fair list. Yeah, that went wrong in that preparation, and um, well, I did have a fair list, and and and. Funny thing was, and, I, and I, at 21, I don't know what helped me think this way, but I just did. And if if there's people out there that are listening that there's a bit going on in your life, then write down all the things that are going wrong and have a look at what you can and can't control. And there's some things we can't, right? There's some things you just you just can't control. So, and, and but you can respond to those things, but you park those. I parked all those and I looked at all the things that were left and I had about seven pages left, so I could only get rid of about a, a page of stuff that I couldn't control. Um, and, and Rowdy, at that point, I realised that that horrid performance was on me, and it was it was it was a it, I, I did it really tough for about a month because I just thought, well, far out. What have I what what have I become? You know, like if I'm pretty ordinary. Um, but then I thought to myself, well, if I can handle some of these, what happens? So as opposed to getting to work on the operator, and all of us are good at our jobs, whether you be an accountant, a lawyer or whatever, we're good as the operator, but you've got to get to work on the bloke as well or the woman, you know. So I got to work on that and, um, and, and being more responsible and, and thinking more about what's required. And, um, you know, from 1993 to 2000, in sport that's decided by fractions of seconds. I wasn't outside the top three in the world. Now, Rowdy, that didn't come about, and I don't say that to be a super wanker. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just say that because off the back of sort of one thing, right, if, 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 if more accountability, off the back of that I was, I was able to produce and design a life that would enable me to be really competitive on a world stage. And... And that's, I believe, that's open to everyone because what that means is is that we go to work on the leader, we go to work on the character of the person, not just on the operator. And if we do that, it's amazing what turns up, right? And so my effort went into to that and I realised quickly that, shit, this stuff works great. And I become really thirsty for um, things that would help me be not just a better athlete, but a better bloke as well. And I, and and I, everyone who's um, been in that position, that fork in the road moment, you have a good look, long, hard look at yourself. And I, I think that's a requirement every year to have a good look at yourself and the character and the leader that you want to become. 
and, and get to work on that. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people listening have had a, a red-hot go at something like you did in, at, at Barcelona and then lost their way and then thrown in the towel and never gone back to it. So you went, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to map what went wrong, I'm going to map what I can control so I, and what I can't control. So I can't control the fact that my coach can't be there, but I can control how many magnums I might eat <laughs> around the village. But they're good, they're good, Rowdy. <laughs> and then you went to work on, on you as a human being. You're already doing all the work on you as a kayaker, but you also went to work on you as a human being. Can you give us some ideas of, of a couple of things that, that you were able to change? Yeah, I, that's a great, wow, that's a great question. So um, uh, on reflection, I think the biggest thing that I, and, and I still struggle with this, is is that, that absolute self-centeredness. So I knew that when I started to think about what um, um, my partner needed, so my mate, my, my, my mate in the boat needed from me, um, it, gave, it gave me um, enormous motivation. It actually inspired me to be my best for him as well. So that yeah, was yeah, probably... Hang on, I'm going to pull you up on that because I think that's a great point, right? Because most people are thinking, is he doing his bit? You know, well, how could he be better? How can he make it easier for me? You flipped that and went, how, how can I serve him better? Yeah, so, I, yeah, absolutely, Rowdy. I went to work on, well, how can I help... What, what do I need to become so I can give him everything I've got? And that was both on and off the water, right? So that was, so that was you know, being, being able to construct good conversations where we call it on each other and, um, you know, being um, lo- lo- looking at the knowledge that was required to understand our own weaknesses so that I can plug those holes um, and and make sure that they don't turn up for us. Those weaknesses don't turn up for us. So the the focus wasn't necessarily on me, but on what I needed to become to be of service to others to a high level. And and I, that's what my business is today. You know, like I think about helping people perform to a, and be winners to a higher level. Um, all your thoughts have got to be on well, how do we help them win and get what they want. Uh, and, and what, therefore, what have I need to become as an operator and as a person so that I can help them? And that's massively inspiring when you start to do that because it's, it's a, it's, it's, if you think about Covey's principle of a win-win, um, you're helping them be better. At the same time, you've got to be better to do that. And life has a great way of kicking the can for you when you do that. It just, has, it just does. Life life opens up doors for you when you do that. It does. Uh, I don't know why, Rowdy, but it just works that way. So yeah, you've got to trust in that. They call it karma, don't they, something like that? <laughs> yeah, if you end it. Yeah, absolutely. It is karma. What goes around comes around, I suppose. And I love that other bit about uh, how many people really embrace the idea of allowing somebody to tell them where the holes are. So, so I like the idea of you go, well, you know, I want to plug the holes in who I am as a human being, who I am as a performer in the job or the, the, the role that I take on. But not many of us invite somebody else to, in to tell us where the holes are. It's a great point. But what if you don't, Rowdy? You live, you're living like, what if you, my, my question is, is even more hurtful is, is what if you don't do that? Like, you, 
you you live in a you're living in a in denial, you know. Um, there's a requirement to embrace your failings because in your failings is enormous growth. Um, and 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 if you don't have someone in to tell you um, what you're good at and what you're not, then you never receive the feedback that takes you past living in denial. And most of us don't even realise we're living in denial already, you know. So, um, uh, and and to, to embrace that failure, to embrace the realisation that, that there's things that I need to be better at, um, I'd rather know that than not because um, if I don't know it, then I'm probably choosing to be average at some point soon, you know. Um, and none of us do. Everyone, everyone wants a sense of progress and a sense of, um, you know, co- contribution and being better. But if unless we consciously choose that, hey, I'm going to go out of my way here to feel a bit uncomfortable with some feedback that I need from people, um, you know, that's why that's why we need we we, we need a coach. We need uh, a really caring bunch of teammates to give us that tough love. Otherwise, we don't. We don't progress. We don't learn what we need to to be of service to others. I, I agree. It's good to have somebody who can give you some tough love. So, mate, uh, Barcelona 92, somebody obviously told you don't eat magnums for breakfast, lunch and dinner, and you <laughs> went off on to Atlanta and played yeah. a big game, won a bronze medal, and then uh, yeah. on to Sydney 2000. That would have been in, an incredible experience, going to the Olympics in front of that home crowd. and. You played a bigger game, an even bigger game there, mate. Tell us that story. How did how did you make those two steps? Um, Atlanta was Atlanta '96 was um, um, just f- for both of us, for both and Trimmy and I, was just about performing in that in that environment. So, you know, whatever environment we're in, we just w- w- the the. the the key for us was a sense of we, we, we wanted to arrive, so we wanted to belong in that. And it wasn't about the medal. It wasn't about – it wasn't even about a final. It was just going into that environment and being at our best. And my message to anyone would be walk into work today, walk into your environment, work into the thing that you turn up chosen to turn up to and be at your best. And that – what does that look like? And then – and perform at your best. And Atlanta for me was just about in the ultimate pressure cooker, being able to perform. So we, we, we went to work on dealing with pressure and um, knowing that pressure is a normal part of a big performance and think something that's really that you care deeply about. You're going to feel pressure because, and, and it's a normal place to be. You're going to have lots of fears. And we, we just wanted to be able to be strong enough characters to deal with that moment. So, and we, we raced an amazing race. We, you know, I, I still say now, and I'm probably politically incorrect, we were the fastest drug free team in that field. <laughs> um, yeah, we, 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 we were. I've got no doubts that the crews in front of us um, were having some help. So, the Germans and the Italians. Uh, absolutely no doubt. Um, and uh, after that, um, it was about how good we could become. So the journey from sort of 96 to 2000 was we just wanted to be better at what we, we did every day. Um, uh, so the focus in Sydney was, again, how, how fast can we go? 
how how much better can we get between over the next couple of years and we had some amazing breakthroughs in that four years you know into and I'm, I'm talking about amazing breakthroughs we shaved about half a second off our time in that time rowdy so um, for us that was there were some significant breakthroughs in the way we raced we were able to do that more often so we, we we were competitive on a on a more often more often just because we had a mindset of well how much better can we go today let's test ourselves and we had that right through um, so Sydney for us was a culmination of 12 year a 12 year journey together where we got to the start line in Sydney um, just wanting to be at our best and, and wanting the test in front of us. So I, I, Sydney was hugely enjoyable for that reason was is that it was the ultimate test and we wanted that. We'd, we'd arrived at a point where we needed that test to feel to feel. Um, that um, that exhilaration, I suppose, around the performance. So it was 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 a wonderful Olympics for that alone. Let alone the fact that it was in our home country. And it's amazing, isn't it, that you kicked off this journey in Blacktown, travelling up the Central Coast, got into the surf club, started paddling, and the full circle. You come back almost to Blacktown again and managed to win a silver medal at the. Uh, Sydney Olympics, pretty pretty incredible, right? Eh? Yeah, and funny you should say that, Rowdy. But the the kayaking course is out at Penrith, which is, as you know, you know, ten k from Blacktown. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was it was where where I finished it was out west where I started it. And mate, uh, we've got to wrap this up. But then you uh, went on to Athens, competed again there. Yeah, I, Athens was. Um, when I finished in Sydney, I, I, I spent two and a half years out of the boat because I thought I was finished, um, and I went and uh, I worked as a consultant, did some time with the Sydney Roosters um, uh, premiership-winning team down there in, in, in Sydney and with the Australian Sports Commission and the AIS. But I just want, I just, I felt there was something more, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to um, go past the opportunity to maybe what if and I didn't want that to ever be sitting with me rowdy so I I just thought well the worst case scenario here is this is not for me so I jumped in and um and jumped back up back back in a kayak I was my ass didn't fit in it (laughs) I had to I had to run for a month to get fit again to get because kayaking the, the seats are only made for about a size 32 34 waist so I was size 36 and just didn't fit in it. It was just too – so I had to run for a month to get the weight down. Um, but it was an amazing journey. It was a year of year of justs. But I, what, it, what, what it taught me was is that I had um, – and he's now one of my best mates. Uh, David Rhodes was with me. He was at his first Olympics. And we were relative – we were uncoached, really. And David Fourier helped us in the last two months into the games. But um, we were uncoached for that sort of 18-month period. And um, everything that I'd learned in the 12 years before, I needed it as a leader and as um, as a coach to help us get through and navigate um, th- that that journey. It was a year of just. So I just made the team. We just qualified the boat and then we just missed the dice. But um, it, it, was, it, it was another experience of... Um, and uh, needing a different skill set at that point. And if I go back to why the first one brought me undone was was all the reasons why I came, un, came undone in the first one 
was why all the last one was successful, was because I needed all those those leadership skills to get us through um, in, in the pressure cooker that is the Olympic Games. I think that's a, another great point, isn't it? Like, things go wrong, things go haywire, life's a bit messy, it has its ups and downs, but if you're learning as you go, you can't help but get better, right? So you, you've just described that. So everything that went wrong in Barcelona and you you, you, you wrote seven pages of notes, but you'd learned from it so that when you went to the next three Olympics, those things didn't go wrong again. Yeah, Rowdy, and, and the very things that go wrong now for us, if we get to work on those, they actually become our strengths into the future. So a problem that you've got now as a leader, a problem that you've got uh, from a performance issue with your team, that problem, I'm pretty sure there's lots of people trying to solve it. So when you solve it, that becomes, and with your team, that becomes the actual strength of yours. So, you know, that, the, the challenges and our weaknesses that um, turn up in our days, you know, if we get to work on them down the track, it's the things that set, that's what separates us. You know, so I reckon there's – that's why I say you've got to embrace those failures because they actually become our strengths and the reason why we become successful into the future. Like I I was – as a bloke, I was of – I lacked character, I lacked strength, and I lacked leadership in my first Olympics. Yet I look at that and go, well, now that's the very thing. Those things are the very things that – provide me an income and provide me success and as of that help me a bit of great service to other people they're the things that actually help me now so i look at that and you and 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 for people who are uh, you know confronted with those challenges it's time to peel back the onion a little bit and go well let's let's embrace them you know i'm, I'm happy to be exposed here and because um, those very things, they become wonderful strengths for us down the track, Rowdy. Mate, absolute gold. Um, I know you've got so much more that you could tell us about and we don't have time, but, uh, mate, I know you still have a weakness for magnums. So if somebody wanted to, uh, <laughs> to buy you a magnum and chat about how you might help them out or work with their business or company, how does somebody get in touch with you? Oh, the, the best way to go, Rowdy, is just have a look at my website, just um, Dan Collins. .com.au, so um, get on get on that and give us a buzz. There's all my details, my email and my phone on that. So um, dancollins.com.au is how to get in touch and um, I really appreciate the opportunity to have a chat to you. Your, your wisdom's always wonderful for me, Rowdy. So. Mate, uh, it's been great having a chat to you too and that's Collins with two L's? Yeah, Collins with yeah, two L's, C-A-L-L-I-N-S. So Dan Collins com.au Awesome, mate. And I know you're doing some great work with people all over the globe and, and you know, maybe we'll get you back one day and talk about the story beyond the Olympics because a lot of people go, well, if you competed in Athens in 2004, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since then and they'd probably like to hear that story. So maybe, mate, we'll get you back in a few months and have that conversation. I'd be delighted to, Rowdy. Absolutely. Mate, that's awesome. If you want to get in touch with Dan, go to dancollins.com.au and get some more ideas from him about how you can play a bigger game in business, leadership and life. If you want to ask me a question, send an email to podcast at rowdymclean.com and I'll be happy to answer that. If you want to hear about a particular subject or you know somebody who would be awesome on the Play a Bigger Game podcast, 
always feel free to pop that into an email to me as well. We've got a closed Facebook group called Play a Bigger Game. So if you're listening and you'd like to join that and be part of that discussion on Facebook, we would love to welcome you to that. Dan, thanks again for talking to us on Play a Bigger Game. Hope you have a fantastic year, mate. Talk again soon. Thanks, Andrew.